Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and today I am super excited to have a dear longtime friend of mine, Dolphin Riggs, to join me and discuss a number of things that uh, you will find extremely interesting. And welcome, Dolphin. Really glad to be here with you, Shelley. This is exciting, and we have been friends forever, and I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I do, too. Let's talk first, as I do with so many guests often, and just take us briefly from uh, where you were raised and uh, then general educational level to that point. Well, I was raised here in Athens, but I don't think I ever grew up. Does that count? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I believe very much in, in finding that child within and staying young and staying active and getting out um, as far as my education I went to about three different universities, but basically the longest time at the university of at uh, Middle Tennessee State University, and I loved over in Murfreesboro. And at that time in my life, I was dealing with a lot of horses, so their their uh, walking horse program that they had at the time uh, kind of drew me in. I think I was the only woman in the horseshoeing, the <laughs> farrier science group there, and uh, but I I loved Middle Tennessee State so. Well, it's a great university, and that is a, a unique thing to be in. Uh, from that point, off, when you finish there, take us the next step, uh, career choices, or, or what did you do later? My career choices and my, my interests have been so diverse that it's almost confusing to me to go back into <laughs> some of it. Uh, I looked at professional athletics or ath- sports uh, future. I have been a um, horticulturist. I've done radio and television before, and now I'm actually professionally leading hikes. So how can you retire and have any more fun than to be out in the woods leading hikes and laughing and having the also the choice to be able to not just lead the hike, but to teach the uh, history to te- of the trail or the area to teach plants and trees and wildflowers. It just is amazing to be out there. I think I'm learning and playing more than I'm actually working. For our listeners, Dolphin and I, like she says, we've known each other many, many moons. She absolutely uh, is the gold standard of, of learning about various and sundry plants, all kinds of things. She worked for a time with Lowe's, and she was the go-to person. If you needed information about what you needed to take care of in your gardens and all of this, she was it. And I was just talking to a friend yesterday about that, and she was so sad you were gone. <laughs> Didn't realize you'd left there a few years ago. But but in doing that, and and clearly the uh, the freedom that, that you have uh, had over the years with the different things that you've done, and one of them I always found fascinating. Share with the listeners how you came to get the uh, nickname, if you will, or now your current name of Dolphin. Well, years ago, uh, I've always loved dolphins, uh, but I took on the little chore of interspecies communication relationship or, or research with wild dolphins. And again, how can you have so much fun playing and actually researching something? But it was a a communication that we built through hand signals and body signals 
and uh, just the actions and being able to find and communicate with a being like a, a dolphin. Uh, they represent unconditional love. I guess in the nat- the Native American realms, the symbol of a dolphin is to breathe and to breathe freely, unnatural love, playfulness. And I have for many years now said that I wanted my epitaph to read Spirit of Dolphin, come live in me. And uh, that's kind of a big statement of who I am. That's all I want is to have that that same unconditional love and unconditional spirit within me uh, and go with me through this life. That's great. I, I really enjoy knowing about that. We have seen so many things that you have done with uh, the diversifying of various things that you've enjoyed. And then we're going to talk seriously, folks, because Dolphin had uh, had a a significant episode, like many of us do, and this has led to a wonderful mission that she has had for a good while. And and I want to go ahead and not putting you on the spot in the least, but share with our listeners when you received the diagnosis of breast cancer, which was a jolt certainly to anybody's system. It was a jolt, but one person actually said, you you seem to know to have known that that was what was happening. I don't know that that's true, but it was kind of in stride. And I'll back up another step or two, because at that time in my life, I had been chosen to be the chaplain of the um, Appalachian Trail. And in 1970, I was to not 1970, uh, 2017, excuse me, 2017, I was to walk that 2,200 miles uh, as the chaplain, as the first woman chaplain. And I was so excited. That was such a milestone. I thought, oh, wow, I finally found my mission. All the avenues that I've taken through my life that have seemingly worked their way through but not gone anywhere suddenly was taking on some kind of form, I thought, But I was away at a softball tournament and still totally thrilled about the thoughts of being chaplain. Uh, I was ready, had already agreed, but something started not feeling right. What had been feeling so perfect and and warm in my heart uh, didn't feel like it was the right thing anymore. So I, I, uh, from the tournament, text the uh, bishop of the Holston Conference and told them it didn't feel right and that I was going to have to decline. And I really didn't know why. I just did it didn't feel right. But I've learned through life to follow that guidance. And just a few weeks later was diagnosed with, with inductive, um, inductive um, I, I'm trying to get this said, <laughs> <laughs> but breast cancer, uh, invasive ductal carcinoma. I knew then that that was the reason I hadn't gone on the trail. And another interesting thing that goes along with that, it was the last hour almost, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and I, uh, of the last day to change your insurance and to add a supplement. And I did not have a supplement at that time. And I thought, okay, I'll be 70 years old, I'll be hiking 2,000 miles. If I fall off the trail or whatever, I probably should have some kind of a supplement. So at three o'clock, I went and got a supplement. And uh, again, that was following that guidance of not knowing why I was doing something. 
but I'm really glad that I did because, you know, when you're diagnosed with cancer and all of a sudden insurance is extremely uh, important at that time. So went through with a marvelous, marvelous physician, a surgical oncologist that to this day I call my best, one of my very best friends. I had questions, but I knew I was with the right person. If she didn't tell me what I needed to know, I didn't need to know it. I didn't go looking on the internet for and seeing some of the worst pictures or the worst case scenarios. And I highly, highly recommend that you don't either. Um, if you don't trust your doctor enough to feel like if they don't tell you, you don't need to know, then, you know, you may want to, to look into that, that feeling of why you may feel that. She gave me everything I needed to know. We went through the the situation uh, without a, really a hitch because I believed, and I think that's another thing you have to do is to believe that you can do it. And I tell my hikers, uh, you know, when they want to know what they need in their gear bag, there's what's considered essentials. And an example would be a, a, a compass and a map. The problem is, if you don't know how to use the compass and the map, it's not going to be any help. But uh, Jill would tell me everything that I needed. We went through this. Everything was right. I, I And I, initially, I knew from my back belief and all was that uh, the humor would get me through this. And I believe that humor is one of the best and strongest attitudes that you'll have. It's a very positive attitude. And if you're like me, I can keep myself entertained every minute of the day with something I do that's a little ridiculous uh, and keep myself laughing. And I think that's important. I know I jumped subjects on you there, Shelley. I apologize. But yes, we we went right through this, uh, came out the other side and uh, ready to go. She's a very marvelous surgeon. Uh, Dolphin had had me to speak to her and just a wonderful lady that certainly helped you through that. And you're absolutely right. And folks, I'm going to digress just a moment. Uh, Dolphin and I talked about this. Let me give you a few stats regarding breast cancer. These are from the American Cancer Society 2022. In the last year alone, there were 281,000 invasive breast cancers reported. 51,000 of these were in that realm of what Dolphin had, the ductal carcinoma. About 65% seem to be localized when they're first diagnosed, which really is an excellent situation for women because the five-year survival is 99%. When I started my career back almost, goodness, 50 years ago, the five-year survival rate was in the 60s and uh, 60 percentile. And this is marvelous, marvelous improvements. Interestingly, and you may not know this, so this can be addressed to the men in the audience, 2,700 men were diagnosed last year with breast cancer. And, And people don't think that we as males get it. We certainly do. And this needs to be checked carefully. As of the end of 2022, statistically, there are almost 4 million cancer survivors due to the newer techniques, the surgical things. 
the improvement. And 30% of new female cancers, 30% of new female cancers, any cancer, are breast cancer. So almost one out of three women, when they're diagnosed with cancer, will have breast cancer. Treatments and so forth, as, as Dolphin can attest to, surgical treatments, radiation treatments, long-term oral therapies. In diagnosing, most of you ladies will have had, if you're in the right age range, mammography. And this is such a key type of diagnostic piece uh, of the puzzle. And then needle biopsies can be done. And then from there, maybe an excisional biopsy. And, and I think as you go through those steps, and as Dolphin says, finding that key partner in the medical field, someone you trust, someone that you believe in, who sits right down and, and essentially grabs your heart with this diagnosis instead of just a clinical type change. And I think you were blessed to have that. Now, take us through some of these uh, steps as you finish this therapy. And this is a really key point, folks, I want you to pay close attention to. Dolphin didn't just sit back uh, like so many of us would, get the treatment, you know, be grateful, thankful for the prayers, and then move on to the checkups. She decided to do something different that is extremely unique. So take us into this next adventure in your life. Okay, well, let me real quickly back up to just after the diagnosis, before the treatment. Uh, I think it's very important that we understand that it's our responsibility, not our friends or or our peers or workers. It's our responsibility to, to let them know how we feel about what's going on. I remember when I went back to my workplace, which is like a family. We all, it's just magnificent, uh, which Little River Trading Company uh, at where I hike out of, you know. And several of my good friends that were uh, workers were kind of being standoffish, and they didn't approach me very often when they found out that I had breast cancer. They'd heard. And I realized that it was not because that they were afraid of, that they were. You know, it was a, something that they could get from me or something. But it was simply that they didn't know how to approach me. They didn't know what to say. And so it was my responsibility to go to them. And as I said, I go, I work things out through humor and laughter. So I went to them and I joked about it a little bit and let them know that I felt fine with what was going on, that I was okay with what was going on. And then that camaraderie and our family all worked back together. And I knew that I knew that I had their support before that but I made them comfortable with it. And I think that's one of the first things you have to take into my, into consideration to, to make everything the same as it was. If, someone, if you pick on someone and you find out that, that they have cancer and you all play and you've picked on each other playfully and you stop all of a sudden because you don't know how they feel, then that does not help that other person. It doesn't help them to feel comfortable coming back into the the workplace and saying, look, I've got breast cancer or I've got this or that. So everything needs to be the same, but it's our responsibility to do that. Now, as far as uh, how I went through the treatment, Shelley, it was the most interesting thing because most people think that being diagnosed with breast cancer is one of the biggest lemons you can be dealt, you know, it's a traumatic thing. But 
it became the best lemonade I think that I've ever had <laughs> through being honest, through being open. And yes, I have breast cancer when people would ask, yes, this is what the diagnosis was, and this is how I feel about it, and talking about it, and, and just being unconditional and open. And um, I realized, and I should have known, I guess, before, but all of a sudden you realize how much people really do love you. Yeah. And, you know, that if you can get a, a real friendly slap in the face, it kind of was that because... I knew that I was loved, but I never, it never really sunk in to what I felt then. And that's when you start giving back. I can say I, uh, I now try to give back as much as I can through an organization that I started called Hiking for Healing, which is for breast cancer and other women's cancer uh, survivors and those that are on the journey. And... There is no way that I could ever give to these women what they give to me uh, with going on a trail and watching the sparkle in their eyes coming back as they start uh, feeling like skipping down the trail a little bit with me or telling their story and laughing and, uh, and being open and honest. Uh, there's no way that I could you know, ever give as much as I receive. But we, we started... Um, Hiking for Healing, and it was actually born, believe it or not. I decided to give to myself. I had never had a facial, and I was going to <laughs> the integrative therapy area of, of UT Cancer Institute and having um, acupuncture, and I thought, okay, I've never had a facial because then I thought that was just smacking some clay on your face and ripping <laughs> it off and whatever that was supposed to do. But they had an um, um, anesthesia, I can't remember what it oh, is, yeah. but anyway, the facial uh, Esthetician. Yeah. There we go. Took me a minute. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> Those letters just don't follow. Oh, yeah, I don't follow at all. <laughs> so I thought, okay, this is the time. I'm going to have a facial and see what happens. Well, I never saw any clay, but <laughs> I had face mas facial massage, steam treatment, uh, aromatherapy. She massaged <laughs> my face and head, my neck, my shoulders, my hands, my feet, legs. Wow. Uh, and while I was laying there on her table in total ecstasy, um, <laughs> it dawned on me that everything I had done in my life, all the different experiences I had as an athlete, as a speaker with positive thinking, as positive attitudes, everything I had done was all of a sudden coming together. All mm. those roads that seemed like they were dead ends were beginning to make a great loop and coming together. And I could see that. I got it. When I woke up with her, I, I, you know, she didn't really put me to sleep. But when I got up, I was kind of bouncing off the walls trying to walk. I shared with her what I had been thinking about during this. She thought it was great and actually went to my, my um, surgical oncologist before I had a chance to tell her. And my surgical on oncologist started sending out people in the files, you know, what this idea that I had about it. <laughs> And somehow the name Hiking for Healing rolled around. My oncologist was smart enough to know that, that I would listen to my, my body, I would listen to her, and that when I went back out on the trail, just actually, I think it was about nine days after surgery that I actually ventured back out on a trail, that that's what I needed, that's what my soul needed. And I wanted and needed to share that with others. 
And um, so that's what hiking for healing does through laughter, through, through exercise, through nature, and through that camaraderie and talking and communicating uh, to try to help others on their path, on their journey to walk through. I said earlier to you, Shelley, when we were just speaking before, that everybody looks for their their big milestone, you know, when they finish chemo or when they uh, finish five years of uh, development after this. You know, I'm not sure why everybody puts a five-year period on it, but anyway, um, for these milestones, and they count those or when they quit their chemo or their radiation. In my view, the biggest milestone of any of our lives is the time after that diagnosis that we decide to fight, mm-hmm. that we're not going to give in to this, that we are going to fight. And I like to use the the term fight like a woman and mm-hmm. uh, get out there and, and uh, laugh in the face of cancer. Dolphin, that's excellent because you're bringing up a number of points that that we take that responsibility as a cancer patient but we do thoroughly love the fact that we have support from dear friends, family, our medical personnel, nursing personnel. But I love that, that you took this that could have been an extremely uh, debilitating long course in a different direction and put that to such wonderful use. And Friends Dolphin has been featured on a number of television programs uh, national type situations and, and we're so happy to have her today with the podcast but as she has approached these ladies with different uh, cancers as you say it's not just breast cancer because this overlaps into so many other areas and share with us as you gather up the folks say uh, take us through one of your fairly decent hikes, just say, okay, Dolphin, I'm calling you and I want to go. You're going to take me through maybe as a as a neophyte. What do you gear us up for? Well, we we uh, actually offer different levels of hikes, uh, and we go as a group because it's important to have that camaraderie. And it's a small group because I do, I do limit the participation to, again, if we're being... Uh, stewards of the mountain. We don't want to take 50 or so people out on the trail and damage that. But it's always nice and it takes a little bit of that intensity away if you've got a few other people with you rather than just that one-on-one. Looking at the group, I'll know uh, what kind of hikers they are, if they've ever been on a trail or not, and uh, we kind of adjust according. We never leave anyone behind and I've got enough of my own pod that I call them uh, along that if someone needs to have a little bit extra care, you know, while we're moving or someone helping with a little bit of the uh, terrain, we've got extra people along too. So if you're having a difficult time, you don't have to be worried about that. There's nothing to feel self-conscious about or anything to that well, that nature. One thing I'd like to add in here, not necessarily exactly to that point, is that the hiking was a great influence on how I made it through cancer. Mm. Uh, one of the things that you learn on the Appalachian Trail or on any hike, if you're on a long trail especially, is that no matter how bad it is, you never quit when you want to quit. Mm. And that Good is point. one of the strongest lessons that I took into cancer. 
was you you keep going step by step, one step at a time. You never stop moving forward, and you never quit when you want to quit. Tomorrow's a new day, okay. And looking at the looking at things positively, uh, that positive thinking, laughing your way down the trail. You know, I think it's actually, and I can't quote the science behind it, but it is uh, a proven thing that you lose use a lot fewer muscles laughing and smiling <laughs> than you do frowning. True. And I have been on a trail where, as the leader, I had a lady that was having a hard time. This was a regular hike from with Little River, not one of our Hiking for Healing hikes. And she was having a hard time. We'd take a step, and she'd sit back down, and then take another step, and she'd fall back down. And it got to the point where I was using everything I could think of. And one of the things that I came up with was to, to her was laugh at me, smile at me, <laughs> uh, when she was at her hardest point. And she started doing that, and that relaxed all of the rest of her body. And, and we made it off the trail. But, but things like that, and I've taken, I'm, most of you, a lot of you, I guess, know that I'm also still playing softball at the national level, just got back from the, uh, the national senior games. I have worked a, a little analogy, if you will, going from home when you hit the ball, when you get the uh, diagnosis with cancer, you make that decision to fight that's hitting the ball. Okay, so you go to first base, and first base is perseverance. That's when you've decided, I can do this, I am not going to give up, nothing's going to make me give up. Uh, you persevere, you keep going, I'm not going to quit. Then the, the space from first base to second, second in my mind is your attitude. And that you've got to have a positive attitude, and you've got to remember that humor is an attitude. But everything positive, every knowing that you can do this, and I like to put the word belief in there too, even though belief is, in my mind, the the attitude, if you will, that kind of joins this whole uh, thing together and bonds our whole uh, picture together. But from second base then, which was attitude, you go to third, and third base represents resilience, uh, knowing uh, whether it's through the past or just your belief, again, that you can come back from an experience, a, debil a debilitating um, disease or, or whatever, but that, yes, you can come back. And it takes persistence. It takes that attitude, but you can do it. And then the next step, of course, is that last final run, and that's to home plate. You've scored. Uh home is triumph and I like to tell people you're you won but you've always been a winner wonderful wonderful advice let me say that again folks I think it's beautiful the first base is perseverance you're facing you know this type of situation persevere do not quit excellent advice second base is attitude how do we develop an attitude when we're facing these dilemmas? That's perfect. And, and third, you're moving around through this process, treatment and so forth, resilience. And then to, you know, be able to come home to finish that off, uh, is just outstanding. I think when you, when you look at that, it's a perfect way, perfect analogy to often to put that together for folks 
to to know I can triumph over this process. I think if more patients could face that wonderful attitude, there would be a lot more success. Not that you can't succeed with the, the items, but we as individuals who have a diagnosis of cancer going through that. Beautiful, beautifully said. I love that. Now, as you move forward, and that's the other thing as an aside, this lady is is a champion, senior champion, softball player. Uh, I have fussed at her as a friend in the past (laughs) as she plays with some pain and some injuries, but obviously, since I'm really not a sports physician, she doesn't listen to me, and she just moves on, So, and they succeed without me. That's why I'm not a a coach, but it's, it's wonderful to see that. Now, as you move forward, take us into what you may be looking at over the next couple of years, your goals with the Hiking for Healing program, and what you would love to see this uh, become in a much bigger sense, even though it's pretty big, folks, mm-hmm. that, that she has succeeded. Well, our obvious goals would be to go uh, on a national level, our state, our 501c3 is for the state, for the Tennessee, but we wanted to move on in probably within the next year uh, onto that national level. We do have, I say members, we don't, our 501C is not one that has, you know, a due-paying membership. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't actually sit down and tell you how many members we do have, but we have quite a few people who join us from several states in the United States and Canada. So being able to take this on a national level and even having uh, some pods, if you want to say that, you know, in the different states where we would make sure that there's the continuity of what we're, our mission and our purpose, but they would be able to um, have a, a more local area for people in, for instance, Texas or mm-hmm. uh, Ohio or wherever. So I guess that's our first step is moving forward. But this only comes with our conscious caring, you know, for the people. You just can't go out and say, okay, I'm going to be a national organization. You have to care for the people because it's it's the people that make the organization. Absolutely. And so many times I've said that I look in your eyes uh, and I see where I was. I can see myself through looking into your eyes. I can remember when I got that first diagnosis, and I know the shock in my eyes, and I see that on the trail with the people who are just now in in their chemo or in their radiation or just after their diagnosis, and you see a tint of a little tinge of that fear, perhaps, or the sadness and the void. What happens? You know, where's this going? And I see also in their eyes when those that twinkle starts coming back. Uh, and I know what I felt. And that's what we're looking for. You know, it's not what we can do with the size or anything like that. It's seeing that twinkle in your eye again, seeing that child not afraid to come out and emerge and, and uh, taking away that feeling of being a victim. You know, when you get that diagnosis, you can't, you really almost can't help feeling like a victim there for a while. And and realizing that you can leave behind that being a victim 
and become part of, of the solution. I have a little story of being on the trail. Uh, again, this was a backpacking trip that I was taking with some people that, uh, you know, from Little River Trading Company. It was a group of women that I had on the trail. And we were going to be out on the trail for three or four nights. And our first night out, everybody was in the tent sleeping. And all of a sudden, one of our hikers started to hollering to the tent next door, blow the air horn, blow the air horn. Mm. And so the tent next door simply said, now, because it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and so I knew something was up. So I'm crawling out of my tent. And, and she's blowing the air horn. And I see a big old male standing right at the bear standing right at oh. the end of the tent. So, you know, with all this movement, he just kind of saunters on. He couldn't have cared less. <laughs> but, of course, that had all the women up and moving around. And I had one gal that I, I've become such close friends with that she was just frozen. She was standing with her arms clutching her chest mm-hmm. and tears because she was terrified. Yeah. Uh, and so this went on, and I tried to get people to get back into the tents. And one of the people on the far end said in her little monotone voice, said, Dolphin, I think I see eyes. Well, it was a very, very, very black night, you know, cloudy. And the only thing you could see was with your headlamp, you could shine it around out there and get reflection yeah. off of the eyes. Okay. And so I agreed. So I'm running over to her tent with my trekking poles and I'm screaming, get out of here, get out of here. And I'm hitting <laughs> trees and carrying on. And, and then the other ladies come back out. They've got their, their air horns. And this poor, probably a two-year-old, up, probably a two-year-old. Oh. He stood straight up with oh. his arms out. I, I know that I must have at least frightened ten years off with that poor cub. Oh, no. So anyway, he takes off, and I told him to, you know, get out of here and take his mama with him because one of the, that female me probably at that age still had his mother out there in the woods somewhere. So we keep going. There was actually six encounters, Ooh. and I won't go through all of them. But the sixth encounter, the lady that I was speaking, you know, about that was standing there with her arms crossed and literally frozen in position, she actually was the one that saw the eyes this time. And when she did, she hollered, eyes, eyes. And so here we go. And she starts swinging uh, trekking poles and running at the bear with me, okay? Hmm. And the fact that she had gone from the victim by seeing the bear and and making that statement, going on after it, mm. she became part of the solution. <laughs> and I really thought before that happened that I was going to have to find a way to get a shuttle in. We weren't. We were yeah. on the way to Hot Springs on the the uh, Appalachian Trail, oh. and there was not a way really to get somebody in to get her out. But after that. She not only finished it, but she became one of my strongest hikers. So, again, making that decision to not be a victim yeah. and to be the solution makes a huge wow. difference. And that's another thing that I've taken into that cancer experience off the trail. Oh, no, that's a great story. <laughs> you would be happy to know that I would have been running for the hills myself. <laughs> I would not have been transitioning and helping you out at all. <laughs> No, that's a wonderful story, but a great point, great point. 
taking away from being that victim and moving to the positive approach of helping others and, and being successful. Oh, just awesome. You know, and what you just said mm-hmm. was that positive approach of helping others is the way I've always been able to see a, describe the difference between a beginning hiker mm-hmm. who's worried about their nail polish and their fingernails <laughs> and if their outfits match and how they look with the other hikers to that next step of it not mattering quite so much. So that's yeah. kind of that intermediate place. But when I really see them becoming part of a team is when they'll be facing a fear, perhaps going across a, a log crossing up in the air over whitewater, and in our case on one time, finding that it had been broken in two with a, another tree that landed on it and the railing was missing, to be able to face their fear to get across that and to stop, turn around, and help that next person. And that's when you've become a team. That's wonderful, because that... That analogy for what you've been doing with the Hiking for Healing and spending that time and and using your energies to be a wonderful influence makes all the difference in the world, and that's what we in medicine look for. And I mentioned it often before we started. If I needed to talk to my patients as a gynecologist about breast cancer, it was much better for me to find someone like Dolphin who had been through this, who had been through the steps, who had converted their their anxiety and their, their uh, victim status, if you will, into that positive influence, those patients subsequently did so much better with their attitude and everything else and, and really made a major difference. Well, it's just uh, the, the great influence, Dolphin, that you've done that I can say as a dear friend, has been marvelous and will continue to do. And folks, as I always say, and I'm sorry we're out of time, but often I'm going to get you back for a future episode on this and other things. But I always say to our listeners, if you have questions for Dolphin about, especially the Hiking for Healing, a wonderful, unique group, please contact me at shellgriff at gmail.com, S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F, at gmail.com, I will get with her, get you answers, get you the data that you can contact her. I think this would be the most marvelous experience. And thank you so, so much for being with me today. Look forward to another time. Well, I thank you very much. And I just wanted to leave you with the thing of please, let's get out and play and have a good time. Go out barefooted if you want to for a little while, not on a trail necessarily, but just get get out there and get with nature and allow nature to help you heal. Absolutely. Wonderful point. Thank you so, so much. And folks, as I always say, I hope you all have a safe and healthy day, and I'll see you further up the road.